The book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so the sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. To Perfection of the Heavenly Father. As paradox as this may sound for many Christians who easily accept this phrase, not understanding its essence, that we are called to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And so the phrase, that you may be, is a commanding phrase that is in the artistry of God. And so before God began creating anything or saying anything, the very first words that came out of his mouth from where everything began was the verb together with God's name, let it be, because this very short phrase, let it be, it is the name of God, Yahweh. Here, God showed, uh, he concealed it here in the, in Hebrew, when it says let, he concealed his name, Yahweh. It's not as clearly shown in our, when we're reading it in our language, but it's just as a command, let this happen, or but this in God concealed his name in these words. And so this command is the inheritance of the saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God, one who is a father of God, God's authority, this is a person sent by God, is God's delegated authority, one who is anointed by God. If they do not acknowledge this person, they have nev- they will have no part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. And so anyone who is elected by the form of a vote, these people don't possess and have never possessed the status of a father of God, and they will never have the seed of the word. The very same person can speak the very same words. Uh, And there's another person, two people will speak the same thing, but one will give life, one will give death, because there's no true seed. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. As it relates to fulfilling this commanding order to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart, as God is vigilant over His spoken word within the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question. What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are collaborating with within our heart? In other words, we paid attention to the fact that the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law for the law so that in the new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ 
we can receive justification so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected, so that in this way we obtain confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, so that we can provide God with the proper foundation or basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave it to this promise to Abraham or his seed. Romans 4.13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And so a promise, when God gives a promise to be, for this to happen, I need to do something from my side. When he told Abraham that he said to Abraham, I am your peace. Abraham, Abraham had to do something so that this peace would be put into his heart. Therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated ones. And Abraham believed God and God accounted this to him as righteousness. What does it mean he believed? What does it mean? Believing, who did he believe? He believed the word of God. He believed the word of God, and this is God's faith. God's faith is information that comes from hearing the word of God, listening to the word of God. Faith is from hearing, hearing the word of God. And you hear the words of God spoken by one who is sent by God. How? Do we preach if they're not sent? That's what the uh, prophet asks. And today we see uh, seas of different uh, people that preach that have not have not been sent by God. They go to uh, in so-called spiritual institutions. They receive uh, doctorates of theology, and now they somehow have the right to preach. God never intended that his greatness, his, his word can be presented by magistrates or theologians. Apostles need to present it, prophets, teachers, pastors, uh, people that are within the fivefold and they need to learn uh, in the church, the place needs to be the church where you learn, not in, a person will not be able to grow into full measure of growth in Christ in any college because his faith is broken there because there they're not presented with God's word but the perversion of the word and they are uh, teaching them to pervert the truth also each one has the right to their own opinions is how they teach this is a doctrine of all the institutions when in the church no one has the right to a personal opinion of the truth even the apostle doesn't have his own personal opinion for the truth. He receives a revelation that can contradict his own personal opinion. He steps upon his own personal opinion, and he goes and he presents the revelation of the Word of God to the church, and the church accepts that revelation of God. Then can people be of one mind and of one heart when they accept from one wellspring and instead of stating, well, I have my own personal opinion, I don't agree with this, I think differently. These are not teach. Uh, these are not students, these are inspectors, and hell is waiting for such. They don't even suspect that. They think that they're doing something good. They have uh, 
magnified their intellect over others and use it to control God's messengers. Control only those that you have elected for yourself that will deceive your uh, uncircumcised ear. And so God's faith is information and not our emotions, not what I feel, but what I know. I know, Apostle Paul says, in whom I have believed. I know and I don't feel. I again turn to the Church of God, beloved by God Church. Reject the ability to determine your relationship with God by how you're feeling inside. You can feel hell inside, but you have information that everything's fine. Everything's fine. Because your faith is based or founded upon information and not what you're feeling. Because in your body, in my body, we have the old man who this governing sin is inside. And he has the program of the fallen cherubim. And of course, until while he helped us, while we were people that were of the flesh, we were infants, he cloaked himself into garments and presented uh, to us the Holy Spirit Christ and helped us serve but when you were enlightened by the truth and understood that within your body you have something dangerous that in your body there's hell and in your spirit is heaven and that in one body you have hell and heaven holiness as soon as you understood that, immediately the old nature, the old self, casted off these garments of Christ from itself and, and the image of the Holy Spirit and showed its ugly head of the ancient serpent. And you uh, ha- are now required to battle for your earthly body so that you can obtain the heavenly body. That's how it happens. And now, never turn to your emotions or feelings when you're determining your relationship with God. God's words, God, God's faith is the general, and our faith is the soldier who obeys God's faith. That is what our faith is. And so, by what signs can we examine ourselves that we have the peace of God within our heart, which identifies us as the sons of God and as the most holy of God? To examine our heart as to whether the peace of God is governing inside of it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker. This characterizes us as the sons of God. As it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed is one or one who is joyful. Blessed is one who is joyful. Six signs by which we need to judge of our belonging to the sons of peace have already been subjects of our study, and we stop to study the seventh. And this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or into the selective love of God. The love of God agape. Colossians 3, 14, 15. But above all these things, put on love. God won't put it on for us. It's the scriptures say you need to put put the love on yourself, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. <clears throat> if I don't know what the love of God means, then I will not be able to clothe myself into it. To clothe myself into it 
is possible by my confessions. But for this, we need our, our mouth to become a gentle mouth. And that means my heart needs to have the peace of God inside. <clears throat> Jesus said, he came and said, I give you my peace, not the peace that the world gives, but the peace that no one will be able to disturb or interfere in this peace and, uh, unless you yourself allow that to happen and you can allow that to happen by disobeying disobeying the words that God will give <clears throat> through his apostles but nothing in the world will be able to disturb that peace only sin or disobedience will disturb that peace but not hell not death will be able to disturb that peace this is a state of peace that is a, a, a righteous heart, a legitimate heart, a righteous heart. It always has the state of peace inside of it. And the scriptures say that this peace needs to govern within our heart. And it can rule or govern when we will be clothed into the selective love of God. Why selective? Because it is holy. And what is holy is something that separates the unclean from the clean. Evil from good. Black from white. They tell us we need to be tolerant. That we need to love everyone. As if God is this way, that God is tolerant. If God is tolerant, then he's not holy. But God is holy, which means he is not tolerant. He loves those who love him and hates those who hate him. And so we need to uh, imitate God as his children, not those preachers that preach uh, so-called tolerance. Today, this tolerance is so profound that the uh, these transgenders, the minority, these lesbians and gays, they represent the, the example of how people are supposed to be now. This is what they consider tolerance. And so that's what you want in the church as well. It, actually, a lot of churches have adopted this. There are many gays and lesbians in churches today that speak in tongues. There are such churches today. And there are churches where they're very tolerant toward these minority groups. We are not tolerant toward we can't accept them as a member. We can be compassionate. We can love them. And we can tell them that what they've accepted, this image that they've accepted is a perversion of God's nature. God did not create you a lesbian. God did not create you as a homosexual, a transgender. He created you completely different in his likeness. And of course, the devil does everything. We have a great battle. We are at the door of our hope. Soon we will become witnesses. And these minorities, when we will accept the new bodies, they will be eliminated from our churches. And not just in our churches. There where we will be present and there where we will be, these minorities will be eliminated. Just as God eliminated Sodom and Gomorrah with fire from the sky, we will receive authority from God to eliminate this category of people so that we can make the uh, people healthier as the 
the, the essence of the people will become healthier so that they can be pre- prepared to meet with Christ. In Scripture, the holy or selective love of God agape is presented in Scripture by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached word of the apostles and prophets that in essence are the unchanging virtues of the qualities of God. We're studying the qualities of our Heavenly Father, His heart. God wants that His children have the same kind of heart and this will depend on them. They need to agree and clothe themselves into such a love, make their heart the way that God's heart is. And so put on love, above all things, put on love, the love of God, agape. That has nothing to do with tolerant, egotistical, uh, human love that they call love, but absolutely is not love. It is simple egoism which presents itself as love. Virtue virtue and goodness in the greatest form of its of its meaning or word when Jesus called was called good by one he said why do you call me good only one is good but only God himself Jesus said that he presents God's goodness that it's not coming from him alone that the good good one is his father it is God the father and I represent his his goodness. Why do you call me good? That's what he said. And not the Heavenly Father who sent me so that I can show his heart. From virtue calls knowledge <coughs> comes knowledge. This is God's uh, virtue. This goodness of God has the great knowledge of God, the ability to discern, the ability to understand. After that comes self-control. After that, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Practically, these seven qualities are united into one. They are in in a great balance. They are in unison. There's not a little bit less of one or more of another. In a specific format of the seven given characteristics of virtue that united identify God's goodness in our heart, We have already studied five of those characteristics and have been studying the sixth. This is our calling to demonstrate the love of God, agape, in brotherly love. Demonstrate in brotherly love, God's love, agape. Having this great and noble component in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith literally moves us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life, as it is written. We don't feel or we suspect, but we know that very confident statement, we know that we have passed from death to life. We don't suspect that we have, but we know that we have passed from death to life. Why? Because we love the brethren with the love of God agape. One who does not love his brother with this love of God agape abides in death. He hasn't even come out of death yet. He was born from God, but he abides in death. We talked about that every person that is born from God is simultaneously in death, and the light that is in him is darkness. When God said, let there be light, and there was light, darkness continued to remain. Everything that happened with the earth, God resurrected the material, the minerals, 
the earth. This is a, a multitude of different minerals that the earth is made of. They were dead. And when God said, let there be light, let there be resurrection is what it may, the earth resurrect is what he said. And so when, just as a person resurrects, he passes from death to life, the life of God. He accepts this life in the form of a seed, but he's not yet a light. His sky does not yet have a sun or a moon or stars that would be able to direct the day and night. And so he, it's still not understood in in the way that his light is darkness. And so that's the same thing here. A person remains in death because he first doesn't know how to love his brother. He perceives an evil person as a brother and a true brother he thinks is not a brother. For all infants in Christ are like that. They're tossing to and from by various winds of doctrine, by the cunning craftiness of other men. And today they're friends with you and tomorrow suddenly they have a dream or someone said something or he accepted uh, words of another uh, that said, do you know who you're friends with? And now this person no longer wants to speak with them. And so he himself can't make the judgment or determination of what's right or wrong. Someone's always affecting what he's doing. And so this person is in death and only when he leaves spiritual infancy, he dies for his nation, the house of his father and his destructive desires, he will receive the ability to uh, have this fellowship with one another, the proper fellowship with one another. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. 1 John 3, 14, 15. And so hatred always comes from jealousy because all of us were born with jealousy. It is our old nature. The devil was jealous of God. He resisted God. He attracted a third part of the angels, the heavenly hosts, and was thrown out of heaven. Why? Because he was jealous. The jealousy of because of the jealousy of the devil death came into the world we have a genetic jealousy that is passed on to us from the sinful seed of our fathers and so now we need to count ourselves dead to this jealousy yes it it shows its head at times and there most of the misunderstandings in the churches are based on jealousy we be, complain why was this person given more consideration and not me or we are jealous of a person why they're so blessed Cain was jealous of Abel why is he blessed and I am not why did God pay attention to him but he's not paying attention to me what needs to happen count yourself dead to this jealousy not be afraid that it is it isn't there you don't need to just cloak it and smile and say sister be blessed how wonderful everything is but inside you desire uh, evil for uh, for the sister and then you find out something happens uh, something negative happens something bad happens to the sister or brother your heart is happy and when a person and when you need to actually help the sister or brother you say well I knew this would happen 
This is a, a, a murderer. He does not have life in his in himself, eternal life in himself. Relevant to this, as with the previous components of the virtue of God and his unique for us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven characteristics of virtue, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the power of brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose is the power of brotherly love called to fulfill, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. In a specific format, we already looked at these three first questions and have been studying the fourth question. What, By what science can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith and not some kind of counterfeit of it? The world doesn't teach want uh, each other to love uh, one another but just be uh, have this look of respect people always uh, betray one another are jealous of one another hate one another uh, deceive one another and use one another in their relationship with one another they try to take advantage of one another and so we studied the first five signs by which we can judge that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith and stop to study the sixth sign of question four by and this the Holy Spirit has been holding us up upon this subject for some time this is our ability to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God the book of Philippians 4 5 through 7 let your gentleness be known to all men and so let your light so shine before men if a person does not have a gentle heart that demonstrates itself in gentle lips he is not a light to the world he cannot be known to the world as a representative of Christ he can't be if he hasn't grown in the good soil of his heart the tree of life because a gentle tongue is a tree of life and one that's not is a breaking of the spirit if a person can't examine himself to to find out whether he has a gentle heart and gentle mouth or does and doesn't know how to examine himself doesn't even know what this means what is this unusual bridle that disciplines our mouth I thank God that we do know that this is the word of God, the bridle that we have concealed in our heart. And we discipline our mouth by the word of God. And we only say what corresponds to the truth. And we restrain ourselves uh, and don't allow our flesh to speak uh, what it wants to. We have given our mouth to the power of our renewed mind that cooperates with our new person that in turn cooperates directly with the Holy Spirit. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. If you have a, a gentle gentleness that will be known to all men, then be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Because upon your account, you have an un unsearchable inheritance of Christ, each, in, each individual person. And then 
that peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here we're talking about God's peace. This is God's promise, peace between us and God, a covenant of peace. God has obligated himself, he has promised to fulfill everything for man and the, includes the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. He has promised, he has vowed, he has obliged that he would, he, he said, I will not rest until I put your enemies under your feet. God's peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through, minds through Christ Jesus. To keep you in Christ Jesus, to keep you is to keep you in the body of Christ. What, what is Jesus Christ? Je this is the body of Christ, and he is the head of the body. The body of Christ is a symbol of the good wife. It's not simple to find her. Imagine there are a lot of churches, but... Just in Portland alone, there are about 3,000 Protestant churches. And what do you think? That in any of these churches, God is there? Sometimes evil people tell us that, what, God, you think God is only in your church? I tell them, I never thought this, and I never said this, and I never considered this. It is you who pervert the, the thought, meaning of what I'm saying here. God is in a church that is a good wife and has the virtue of the narrow gate. The church that has the order of God's kingdom, this is theocracy and not a democratic form of structure within the church. This is the kind of church God is in and the head of this church will be an apostle or one who is sent by God that has God's revelations, God's seed. And so, if these churches ha have these uh, things, then you can state that these are your uh, church. The churches, the ch uh, the scriptures say, don't abandon your place. People themselves abandon their place. They don't understand what being in Christ means. To be in Christ is to be a member of a church. When you abandon your place, you abandon it because of your own whims, because of your own ideas. The scriptures say there's no offering left for them, but the fearful expectation of uh, waiting to devour. And so, when you're in a church, is when you're when you're in in crisis, when you're in such a church. We've noted that in the given place of Scripture, the character of the fruit of the Spirit and the quality of gentleness by the means of which we are called to discipline our tongue by the truth that is concealed within our heart is contrary to the character of the work of the flesh that reveals itself in the quality of disobedience to the truth or not believing in the truth. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the, spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is 
we just listed the, the works of the flesh, and this is the work of the Spirit in gentleness. And so, the works of the flesh are undisciplined, an undisciplined mouth. All these things are expressed through an undisciplined mouth. This is a mouth that is disciplined. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. In other words, these people came out from under the guard of the law, but those that are in the flesh, they are under the guard of the law. They were born from God, and the law of God that is within their essence, within the essence of the new person, immediately discovered the governing sin inside of them, the old person, and finding, discovering him, he gave, it gives power to, it, it anoints him, it gives him authority to govern over the body. And the new person also takes uh, receives authority to govern the body, as we talked about. There's Saul, he is the carnal mind, his symbol of the carnal mind, and God anointed him to rule over Israel. And there's David, a warrior in prayer, who whom God also anointed to govern over Israel. And now there are two kings that battle for the right to govern over Israel and governing sin, Hagar then, uh, Agog the king, Agog the king, he, uh, uh, whom Saul, if you remember, he becomes friends with him, he be calls him his brother, and he helps him, uh, and who also wants to take control and govern over the body. And so there are these three kings, and all want control of the body and the field of battle for our body is our heart which is why people who understand this it's not simple those who don't understand it their old self uh, their old person helps them serve helps them earn salvation helps them earn the kingdom with deeds you can preach you can practice spiritual gifts but not think about what will I get for this the righteous is righteous he doesn't need to do something he doesn't have to take any action to become righteous he became righteous because of God's grace he received it in Jesus Christ he is justified in Christ and when he's in the body of Christ when he falls he sins he still remains righteous. Why? Because the righteous will fall seven times, rise again, because he is under the covering. God looks at us through Christ. And who is Christ? It's not just uh, one head separately. This is the head and the body. And when he looks, and the church as the body of Christ, he looks that this person is there, and God doesn't see this sin. Because as soon as a person sins, he immediately rises again. He falls and rises again. He falls and rises again. And the wicked, when he falls, he falls once. And he does not rise again. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The, against such there is no law. They come out from under the guard of the law. They are within the service of grace, the service of justification. Before this, it was the service of condemnation. They thought that the law of Moses is gone and we're under grace. That's how they teach. 
theologians teach, uh, they teach the people that we brother and sister are all under grace. The law has passed. The law hasn't gone anywhere. Here it's written directly that one who doesn't have these deeds against these there is no law that means the law remains until a specific time until we die for our nation the house of our father and for our, and for our destructive desires by the law we die for the law in the death of the Lord Jesus so that we can raise uh, be risen in a new form when the law will not be my guard but will be my friend Galatians 5:19 through 24. Practically, the ability of a gentle or meek person to not be anxious about anything when it comes to his well-being on earth is contrary to anxieties of men who are not able to discipline the works of the flesh because of an absence of the bridle of gentleness. They have not grown inside of them the tree of the, uh, the fruit of the tree of life, which would have been the bridle of gentleness. As it is written, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Anxiety leading to the breaking of the spirit, independent of the death of the Lord Jesus, are genetic bonds of the fear of a man, that a person is bound with, who has not grown the fruit of gentleness in the soil of their good heart, hasn't grown the, the quality of gentleness, which is the fruit of component of the fruit of gentleness in the soil of their good heart, with which we are called to discipline our mouth, by which we can judge that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith. By this quality are we able to judge that we can love our brother, our neighbor. I'm not obligated to love any everyone in general, but those that are our neighbor, those I'm called to love people in the world that don't know uh, God because they don't know God. We have, need to have compassion toward them we are called to hate the lawless and wicked that are in the church that have perverted the truth and have legalized sin we are called to hate the devil and his angels and we are called to, to hate the, such a house of a father that rejects the truth that's what God does he loves those who love him and hates those who hate him. Therefore, anxiety that a person is bound by who received salvation in the seat of justification is the result of his hard heart. He received the seat of justification but hasn't turned it, turned it so that it can profit him. He dug it up in the ground instead. He is a hard-hearted person and this hard heart is identical to something occult that is contrary to the liberty of Christ which is contained in the truth of the preached to him word to be in the liberty of Christ is to be free from the slavery of sin and to be a servant of righteousness there is no an ab- there's no s- such thing as an absolute freedom as it were because so-called wise minds philosophers say that the freedom of a of a person is comes in contact with the freedom of another person when you violate the freedom of another person that's when your freedom is where it stops what is this kind of freedom the freedom is that according to scripture is the right to choose which who you will serve you're given the freedom to choose either to be a servant of righteousness 
or a servant of sin. Such anxiety that a person is bound by who received salvation in the seat of justification as a result of his hard heart, which is identical to something occult that is contrary to the liberty of Christ, which is contained in the truth of the preached to him word, called to deliver us from the slavery of sin. Only by the preached word that we will receive into our heart will we be able to be free from the power of sin. When we begin to uh, consider ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim the liberty of Christ from sin, <clears throat> at this time, we become free from sin. This is the way in which God will deliver us from the power of governing sin in our body by uh, the words we, we speak. We will be clothed into the confessions of our mouth. Such anxiety is testimony of the absence of the fruit of gentleness in the spirit of man, which indicates the bad soil in his heart, which he refused to clean from dead works, so he can receive and grow the fruit of gentleness in the good soil of his heart. And the most striking is that, and we talked about this, is that this anxiety is considered by men of the flesh to be a specific form of spirituality. This can be clearly seen when you compare the definitions of these two words which are contrary to one another, contrary in character and origin. So when we're talking about preoccupation or cares demonstrated in, in anxiety is disobedience to the preached word of truth. This is unbelief, disobeying the faith of God that comes from his preached word and undisciplined tongue by the bonds of gentleness because there is no bonds. A person hasn't accepted the truth in his heart by which he can discipline his his heart, his his lips, something occult, a hard heart, a net of the evil one, the path to death. And so, anxiety are the nets of the evil one. And so, a person's in the net, uh, he hasn't come out of it, and he himself then becomes a net also, catching people with his own uh, confessions gentleness that reveals itself in a disciplined tongue and is contrary to the anxiety is the tree of life that is grown in the soil of a good heart the obedience of our faith to the faith of god the faith of god which is the preached word wisdom strength firmness and power of the spirit in this gentleness because when you have disciplined yourself with the word of god then this word becomes wisdom, strength, for firmness, and power of our spirit, trust upon God in mercy and compassion for our neighbor. The nets of the kingdom of heaven that we have caught ourselves into, proclaiming the not existent as existent. Anxiety in demonstrating disobedience to the order contained in the body of Christ members a person to the category of lawless men who resist the truth of the preached word and try to clothe the works of the flesh into garments of an outward appearance of godliness. At the same time, the gentleness of the heart, which makes itself known in a gentle or meek tongue, is an identification of the fruit of the Spirit, testifying of the presence of the grown tree of life within the spirit of a person. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the Spirit. Proverbs 15.4, memorize this 
uh, place of scripture, this will help you to discipline your tongue when you suddenly want to say something and say something very, very strong against someone. And so humble yourself and say, I, I won't do it. If the Lord is silent and not responding, I will also be silent if God allowed this uh, dog to uh, say these things against me, then I will, if God has allowed this, then I will allow it, uh, let it go. You have a throne from ivory inside, and so a dog then is nothing form, even if it's a group of dogs. <clears throat> However, may need dogs. Uh, and if a dog comes near, <clears throat> uh, this person will be able to overcome. I remember one woman approached me after a sermon and and she says, why did you step all over my husband uh, in the ser- sermon? And so they told me that I would be preaching third uh, and I had no idea that he was going to preach uh, also and he was speaking uh, a, a terrible, uh, very, very, uh, everything that he was saying was completely false and he was speaking on the same subject that I actually was going to preach on and that's why she said, why did you step all over uh, all over my husband because I spoke very different than, of course, than he did. He was a deacon of the church and he's still a deacon uh, today. And so the presence of the fruit of gentleness in a man is testimony that this person is clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ, which gives him the ability to resist the words which come from his personal flesh. This is so that he can open his mouth and confess the faith of God that abides within his heart. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11:28 through 30 Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will discipline yourself with this. I learned gentleness. Jesus, being the Son of the Heavenly Father, He said, I learned gentleness. Learn from me as I have learned. <clears throat> I learned this gentleness from my Heavenly Father. My Heavenly Father disciplines Himself. My Heavenly Father has a gentle heart and gentle mouth because He disciplines Himself with the words that come out of His mouth. He can. He wanted to say much, but when wants to say my, but everything he says, he will discipline himself with the words that he himself states. He becomes a servant of his word that comes out of his mouth. In this way, the Heavenly Father has a gentle heart. The Son of God has a gentle heart because he learns from the Father. The Holy Spirit has a gentle heart and gentle mouth. And people sometimes think that gentleness is just being silent. No, it's being disciplined by the word of God and respond with the words of God. A gentle tongue breaks a, a, a bone. It's very strong. If it he says something, it will break you and stomp all over you. If, if That doesn't mean they will just submit to everything that's happening. 
And so if you uh, have no credibility, then why uh, even argue with, with you if you're, if you're just evil? At the same time, the, pre the presence of anxiety within the soul of a man is testimony revealing the works of the flesh that is in this man. It is from such people that we should turn away so that we do not waste what we have been working on so that we can inherit the kingdom of heaven and the fruit of the tree of life which is grown by us in the Eden of our heart. But, now, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come and this is what will happen amongst Jerusalem in the, in the, in, within Jerusalem in the churches. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That is, loving of pleasure, loving sex rather than God. Just to understand what that means, have, today... Sex today is as some kind of, uh, on a pedestal today in churches, they teach sex and other things that no one, they're not supposed to be teaching about. God placed it in the nature of a person that he himself needs to learn these things. And the scriptures say, having a form of godliness, all of these people having these uh, this character, these qualities, they have a form of godliness, but deny its power. From such people turn away, don't communicate with such. God is not tolerant, as you can see here. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. These are characteristics of anxious people who refuse to acknowledge that they are bound by chains of their corrupt desires with which they clothe themselves into pseudo-godliness so they not lose their importance or their ego. For those outside and as well as for themselves and to test ourselves on the presence of gentleness within ourselves which demonstrates itself in our trust upon god and upon his word in waiting for the salvation of our body to come to pass we paid attention to one phrase by which we differentiate gentleness from undiscipline and wisdom from stupidity because gentleness it is wise but an undisciplined tongue is foolish is a foolish tongue it just thinks that it's wise this is by our ability to make our requests known to god in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving upon the condition that the essence of this request is the will of god god's desire we can't ask god for something that's not his will when we ask something that's according to his will we will receive but when we present our will our desires as god's will then god's wrath will come upon such people this is how this phrase sounds in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god the more accurate version of this place will sound like something like this and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving open up your desire to fulfill god's will which contains our purpose and calling to adopt our body by the redemption of christ Thanksgiving for the promise which is placed by God upon our account in Jesus Christ, which we have concealed within our heart, so that we can fulfill the will of God, which contains our calling. 
is a format of such a praise where we are obeying our, our faith to the faith of God, count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, proclaim the not-existent stronghold of incorruption in our body as existent. It is specifically by the presence of a thankful heart that with thanksgiving opens its desires and prayer to fulfill the will of God is how we determine that we have in ourselves the existence of the fruit of gentleness. This is the fruit of holiness or fruit of gentleness. To bring an offering of praise to God means count yourself dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the not existent inheritance of Christ as existent. Because the fire of God's favor can come up come down upon us only when we are presenting in our praise our bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which provides God with grounds to demonstrate and establish his salvation for us whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright I will show the salvation of God Psalm 50:23. When it comes to God, showing His salvation to man means become the grantor that His purpose will be fulfilled from the waiting for Him and pursuing Him enemy. In the given promise, God has taken responsibility for making our salvation a reality upon the condition that we honor Him with an offering of praise and that we will be prudent in our way or, or that we will examine our way so to see how much it satisfies the requirements of the ways of God. And to do this, you need to have a gentle mouth. And again, to examine our way to see how much it satisfies the requirement of the ways of God or the ways of righteousness. And so that our offering of praise would honor God, it is necessary that it satisfy the demands of an acceptable to God offering, where a person can present his evidence to God that he has the right to bring him an offering of praise, where he concretizes or specifies the will of God for which he then thanks God. Only a priest can bring uh, an offering of praise. Not any person that is born from God can bring an offering of praise and doesn't have the right. Only uh, becoming a priest can you do this. A child that is born in the household of a priest who is not taught and hasn't yet grown and isn't 30 years old, he can't come into the temple and burn uh, a aroma, fragrant, a pleasant aroma to God. He can't uh, burn incense to the Lord. An offering is only brought, again, by a priest who, of course, satisfies the demands. Otherwise, as it happens sometimes, the so-called offering of praise instead of honoring God and doing so activating His mercy for us in His favor, man, as always, will demonstrate his disobedience to God and His word. Because how can an infant or a person that is carnal, how can he bring an offering of praise? No, he will be doing a very different type of thing, a different offering. Considering the importance of the discipline of praise, that for the nominal part of Christians, as we often say, is elevated in rank to praise that is separated from so-called format of worship where there is an absence of the element of holiness by offering yourself as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. And so they, in their songs of praise, they do whatever they want. And so sometimes even in discos may be jealous of the way that they worship. And there are so many demons that dance together with them, I, I think. And 
then they start with songs of worship where they start to uh, rock back and forth and now it's emotional and now they are not shaking their hips but rather their hands they're waving their hands and such a praise according to the prophecies of Isaiah is not accepted by God when uh, praise is separated from worship when uh, worship always should be praise and praise always should be worship it is is not accepted by God and so that we do not offend God with our praise it is necessary for us to remember the criteria that identify the essence and status of legitimate praise in scripture called to be a sign of brotherly love the purpose that a fitting form of praise is called to fulfill in demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith the conditions that elevate our praise to a status of legitimacy by which we can judge that we demonstrate brotherly love in our faith the results by which we need to judge that praise that we bring to God possesses the status of legitimacy in a specific format we already looked at the first question and stopped to look at the second question the purpose that a fitting form of praise is called to fulfill that is disciplined by the bridle of the fruit of gentleness it shall praise God with the words that come out of the mouth of God and so that this discipline by the bridle of the fruit of gentleness called to discover itself in our faith in the power of brotherly love. I will remind us of the first component in the purpose of a fitting form of praise, which has already been a subject of our study, and we will then continue our study further. First component in the purpose of a fitting form of praise that demonstrates itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to clothe us into Jesus Christ when we obey our faith to, to God's faith and are grown into full measure of growth in Christ. Colossians 2, 6 through 10. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, that's in the church, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. And so when we're saying in according to Christ, we're talking about in the body of Christ, in Christ, for in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. Colossians 2, 6 through 10. We've noted that to provide the Holy Spirit the legitimate grounds to place us into Jesus Christ, it is necessary for us to, by preaching or by searching, to discover the narrow gate, which is the good wife, so that we can receive grace from the Lord in the form of the undamaged truth of the elementary teaching of Christ, which represents such a church of saints that have the order of the kingdom of heaven in the format of theocratical rule. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, Proverbs 18.22. If we don't understand how to determine finding the narrow gate in the form of a good wife that we being members of allows the Holy Spirit to place us into Jesus Christ, then this means that we have not yet received Jesus Christ into our heart by being instructed in the faith in the format of the elementary teaching of Christ. And consequently, we will not have the knowledge of how to walk in Him, being rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, abounding in it with thanksgiving. 
Second component of the purpose of a fitting form of praise that demonstrates itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to give us the ability to be steadfast in the doctrine of the apostles, in fellowship with one another, in breaking of the bread, and in prayers. Then those who gladly received this word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Acts 2.41-42 Four components here that are listed that can be with one without the other. It's to continue steadfastly in the doctrine of the apostles, not how I understand or what my opinions are, but the doctrine of the apostles. To continue steadfastly in fellowship with one another, to continue steadfastly in the breaking of the bread, every time when you break the bread, you be ready to discern the Lord's body and to continue steadfastly in prayers. To continue steadfastly in prayer means to have peace with God. No sin that would separate or that would interrupt our our fellowship with Him. It's not being on your knees 24 hours a day, but the state of your heart. If you don't have instruments in the form of information that comes from learning in faith, in the format of the undamaged uh, word, in the form of the elementary teaching of Christ, we will not be able to differentiate the true apostles of Christ from the false, false apostles. And furthermore, we will not be able to continue steadfastly in the doctrine of the apostles. We will not be able to have a proper fellowship with one another as we will not know who our neighbor is. We will not be able to continue steadfastly in the breaking of the bread and we will not know and we will not know how to discern the Lord's body. And we will not be able to continue steadfastly in prayer as we will not be taught about what price we need to pay to have the right to be a warrior in prayer, one that is clothed into the virtue of a king, priest, and prophet, and know what prayer is and how to pray third component in the purpose of a fitting form of praise that demonstrates itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to give us the ability to make known the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, Apostle Paul writes, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, so to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Ephesians 3, 8 through 12. Continuingly, or continuing steadfastly in the doctrine of the apostles, in fellowship with one another, in the breaking of the bread and in prayers, we represent the Church of Christ and make known to the we make known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places the manifold of the wisdom of God. The angels of God have never seen God, His face. They've never seen His face. And so they can judge, looking at his children, they can see how their father is, their heavenly father is, and they judge not by looking at the face, but looking at our heart. And when they see what's in the heart, that manifold wisdom of God, 
that is the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ, with which we discipline our tongue, then they are in awe by the Heavenly Father, whom they serve. Fourth component in the purpose of a fitting form of praise that demonstrates itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to give us wisdom and the ability by the means of our prayer to draw God's favor upon us. Now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meaning. From where does the Lord speak? From the tabernacle of meaning. The tabernacle of meaning is the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. And saying, and he said, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when anyone wants to bring an offering up to the Lord and you shall bring your offering of the livestock of the herd and of the flock if his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd let him offer a male without blemish he shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and so he needs to bring this offering at the door of the tabernacle of meaning he needs to bring this offering in the church of Christ during the service to find favor from the Lord then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him Leviticus 1 1 through 4 the symbol of the door of the tabernacle is the church of saints who possess the virtue of the narrow gate as the good wife the symbol of the burnt offering at the door of the tabernacle of meeting is a symbol of presenting our body a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God for our good service I beseech you brethren therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may that is be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God Romans 12 1 through 2 fifth component in the purpose of a fitting form of praise that demonstrates itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love is called with God's strike upon our heart of stone to make our heart a heart of flesh so that from it what waters would flow and the fountains of life and so God struck the rock behold he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out Psalm 78 20 God striking the rock implies Jesus Christ, where God has placed us. And in the sufferings of the cross of Christ, He has cleansed us from all of our filthiness, so that in the resurrection of Christ, He can give us a new heart and a new spirit, so that we can walk in His commandments and follow His statutes. He doesn't strike our heart directly he strikes the son of God and he has concealed us inside of Jesus and because of the strike upon the son of God when the son of God dies for our sins and we in the death of the Lord die for our nation the house of our father and for the and for our destructive desires we rise in a new form our heart now is not a heart of stone but of flesh as it is written for I will take from among take you from among the nations God knows people think it's talking about the Israelite nation yes it's talking about the Israelite nation the warriors of prayer that belong to all all people all countries all people they're all called Israel for I will take you from among the nations gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land then I will sprinkle 
sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28. Apostle John 4.14 also writes, uh, he brings forth the words of Christ. He says, But the water that I shall give him who thirsts will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And so the streams will flow when the strike will be when, when the, the, the rock will be struck. And so we are in Christ, and if we are in Christ, then our heart will become from a heart of, of stone into a heart of flesh. If we're in a church that has the virtue of the narrow gate, the good wife. Sixth component in the purpose of a fitting form of praise that demonstrates itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to open up the mouth of the Lord in parables in the mouth of his messengers so that they can utter the things kept in secret. God in his parables will take the words of uh, the mouth of God's messengers and will open up the, his mouth so that they can utter the things kept in secret from the creation of the world. Matthew 13:35 that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying I will open my mouth in parables I will utter things kept in secret from the foundation of the world messengers that are not able to open their mouth in parables and allegories and a church of saints that is not able to understand the things kept in secret from the foundation of the world in parables and allegories have no part to the good wife who possesses the virtue of the narrow gate Oftentimes people say are angry at me why I speak with par- in parables why I have so many uh, symbols that I that I bring forth and examples why can't you just say things simply and directly Jesus said you can't because <clears throat> my word is concealed and only those understand it who need to understand it Lord, why do you speak to them in parables? The disciples asked Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but it's not given to them. In his parables, he <clears throat> conceals his kingdom. And furthermore, the praise of such a person and such... And so, again, if this person doesn't see the meaning in these parables and is not able to understand them the praise of such a a person and such a church is not able to be called a fitting form of praise and as she is not disciplined with the bridle of gentleness and is not able to demonstrate its power in brotherly love but you may say well I don't open up my mouth but if yeah but if I do and you accept it and you say maybe according to your word Lord then you do open up your mouth in parables Seventh component in the purpose of a fitting form of praise that demonstrates itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love is called by the preached word of truth to proclaim for us the manifest of liberty from debts and from slavery of every form of dependence. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land 
<coughs> land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and to each you shall return to his family. Leviticus 25.10 The symbol of ruling over your land, which we are called to be rulers of, is our body liberated from the power of the old man. Uh, liberated from the power of the old man with his deeds by accepting the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, who reveals the meaning of the perfect law of liberty that is concealed within our heart. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. James 1.25 and so who will look into the perfect law of liberty when we're talking about the word who will look into one who will uh, vow to go through the narrow gate and so to look into the perfect law of liberty is to to make yourself go through the narrow gate that is where the perfect law of liberty is not in every church will you find this perfect law of liberty from sin not in every church but in churches that again I repeat they have the virtue of the narrow gate the good wife we have right now the opportunity to come to the Lord to bow before him at the altar if someone is bound with any form of sin or fear so that you become free from them the time has come the time draws near where God will open up the the mysteries uh, that they will come to pass that the stronghold of incorruption will be erected in our body and so all of those who have accepted this promise in their heart but still are within chains you need to know that God has power to break those chains and that if you've accepted this promise then he will give you the ability to bear this promise God says I'm not such a God that gave you the ability to conceive but will not give you the ability to bear and if we conceive this promise when we do we are still in the we're in de- dependence of sin and that is why we need to count ourselves dead to sin living for God and proclaim that not existent liberty that's in Christ from governing sin as existent and then you can be calm in the moment when God will do the work he will erect the stronghold of life in the chosen by him remnant you will part- be partakers of that don't judge by yourself that I'm still bound I still have uh, symptoms I don't like trust in God he will do the work if you've accepted the promise and I trust you have then know that God said again if I gave you the ability to conceive I will give you the ability to bear let's bend our knees and let us pray and may the Lord bless us we will wait for you here at the altar
I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe and trust, hope and trust that God is faithful to His words. And if you came here with a broken heart and you want to be free, He is faithful to His words. He does not condemn you right now. It's the opposite. He stands between you and your enemies. He's standing between your lust and you to defend you from the strike, the deadly strike of your soul, to make you free of him and to raise him to your level, you to his level. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. You see the wounds that have been inflicted by my lusts, by my passions, by governing sin that I hate and that I still can't overcome with your power and obeying my faith to your faith I proclaim victory over the sin I count myself dead to the sin and I proclaim with my mouth victory over the sin and liberty from the fear of illness from the fear of death from the fear of poverty and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands attempt to come near you, and ten thousands, but they shall not touch you. May upon you the blessings of the ancient mountains, everlasting hills be on you and be upon your children and be fulfilled upon you and the nation shall say, Amen. The Lord and Father are blessed who has restored you in Jesus Christ. It's not important what you're feeling right now. It's what's important is what you know. You are in Jesus Christ. You are in such a church that has the status of the good wife and the status of a narrow gate. And be calm. Although governing sin, although you have won the battle right now, the devil says, it's okay, you'll come out of this church right now and again you will fall. Turn to him and say, no, I will rise again. Because you make me fall doesn't mean I will no longer be righteous. I am Jesus in Jesus Christ. You are under this holy cloud where God doesn't see your sins and that he is strong enough to deliver you from them. Let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise,
be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.